When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grind Line podcast. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan. I can't, I can't even right now. Um, Tyler is <laughs> not with us for the reason of we were given, I have meat stuck in my throat. Yes, you heard that right. Tyler has meat stuck in his throat and cannot join us tonight. Ryan. Have you ever had meat stuck in your throat to where you couldn't join a podcast? That's no. like a serious question. No. No. He's not choking. He's not choking on the meat. Let's get that part clear real quick. This is going to get bad. But uh, this little won't come out right now is the direct quote from Tyler. So do with that as you will. Tyler did not pull the meat out of his mouth. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to beep the first F word of the episode because something in YouTube says if you swear. Or drop an f bomb within the first seven seconds, like you may not be able to monetize your video, which is weird. Ow. Yeah. Um. But yeah, go check us out on YouTube. You can see me and uh, Ryan talk about <laughs> Tyler's meat throat, which is not a sentence I thought I would ever say. But how are you doing, Ryan? Uh, <laughs> I'm great. That's the the dead season, and but I got a double two hearted. Does that count for something? Yeah, I have a oh again boy. the headless Boom. the headless gourdsman, which is the barrel aged maple syrup with maple syrup and spices from Founders. It's amazing. I like mm-hmm. pumpkin stuff. You can call me basic. We need to have another beer, uh, a beer off. Yeah. Oh, we Founders should get back on that. The one the last time, but uh, I feel like we could have some definite competition going this time. If anyone listening like works for a brewery or has friends that are brewers that own a brewery. Yeah. We would love an official beer. We've had founders before. We do like contests to figure who our beer is going to be, but we yeah, would love another we official founders beer. giveaways. Yeah, we do founders giveaways. So if there's any brewers listening, any friends of brewers listening, we would love to get another official beer. Uh, hit us up in the DMs on Twitter and uh, we'll make that happen. But we have things to talk about tonight. So first, other than off the top, throat. yeah, other than meat throat, milkshake, the top, it is going to be the release of the national televised game schedule not schedule uh, schedule two but number of games yes yeah yeah the red wings with 13 nationally televised games this season which is high 
Yeah. Now let's preface this though. Majority of these will be on Valley Sports Detroit. So you're not completely blacked out. You're not losing out on Ken and Mick for a majority of them, but there's probably one, two, three, four, five games we might be without. So we'll see what happens. So, I mean, we got eight, I think it was for ESPN and or Hulu and ABC. One of them being the season opener at New Jersey. So that'll be kind of nice. Uh, Detroit's getting thrown out there for national exposure right at the start of the season. And then we finish things up pretty much with the Capitals on ESPN on 4-9. And then we've got five more games that are going to be on TNT broadcasts. It looks like only one of those, from what I could tell, did not have a local broadcast. And it looks like it's going to be the Avalanche game on March 6th. But outside of that, we're, again, first week of the season with the Penguins. So we'll have two games hitting a national broadcast in some fashion within the first week. And then... Love more after that. Yeah, the TNT broadcasts are great. Jackie Redmond does a fantastic job. She's like the whole crew does. I feel like Jackie Redmond and Daniela need to get on like a broadcast together and just brush it. I feel like that would be fantastic. Now, do you bring Jackie to Detroit or do we make the push to get Daniela national? I would Mm. I would make the push to get Daniela to national because I feel like going from national to local is not as big of a deal. So I would send Daniela to TNT to do a broadcast, a Red Wings broadcast with Jackie Redman. Can can we get her to sign a no move clause before that? Yeah, we're going to have to do we're going to get (laughs) some trade protection thrown on there. Um, But to follow this up and for as much talk as they do, and I guess we'll just dig the knife in a little bit. The Ottawa Senators have a resounding zero nationally televised games in the United States. We'll in the United it, States, but sure. it's hilarious. Yeah, I, the United States doesn't get free hockey for everyone like Canada does. But along with the Sens, the Habs, the Jets, and the Calgary Flames uh, also have zero nationally U.S. nationally televised games. The Arizona Coyotes even have one. And for as much as the league loves Trevor Zegras. The Ducks have three. Yeah. So there were some numbers on here I think were kind of surprising. Uh, Toronto has 11. Yep. And then you got McJesus getting, what, 18? I think they had the most. Yeah, that would be the most U.S. televised Canadian team would be the Edmonton Oilers with 18, which makes sense. For the two teams, I mean, you've got Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid getting the most. Hopefully, in particular, I mean, we know that Toronto games are going to be East, majority East Coast, I would assume. I haven't looked at their actual game breakout. But I really hope that a lot of those are McDavid like on the East Coast or at least Central Time Zone games, because not having him there, there away games to showcase him to the East Coast in particular is just a travesty. Yeah, but you can go check out the schedule. Ryan tweeted out all the individual games. Uh, the one that he said is in 2014 is, in fact, in 2024. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. not doing a time travel game. Those haven't been introduced yet. It was but, a great uh, call yeah. out on the tweet, though. I laughed. Yeah, Ryan can. Uh, you can go to Ryan's Twitter at RDR33. Yeah, we, we played the Kraken in, in 2014. If you guys were curious, that's that. Yeah, we go back in time to a team that wasn't even around then. That's a that's a a feat that I don't think anyone has done yet. Uh, yeah. But we want to move on to uh, Joe Valeno. Joe Valeno finally signed a contract. Yay! Which and, happened, uh, of course, right after we posted. Oh, yeah, it it always does. No one ever follows our schedule because why would they? Our schedule doesn't matter. 
So Joe Valeno signed a one-year contract, which was interesting, at a AAV of $825,000, which was also interesting because it was lower than his entry-level contract. I I mean, this is a, to me, it's a shit or get off the pot contract, isn't it? I would say yes. And I would say that that could even take effect before the season even starts. Yeah, it could because, because you can bury that contract and like it's nothing. Sure. And say a guy like Marco Casper comes in and breaks, like blows the brakes off of preseason. Say a guy like Carter. Now, Casper's going to be a different story because I don't think I'm playing Marco Casper unless he can get second line minutes in the NHL. But. You can play a Carter Mazer in a bottom six role and not hurt his development one bit. And if he beats out a Joe Valeno, if he overperforms Joe Valeno in preseason, you can bet that Joe Valeno will be headed to Grand Rapids. Yeah. Because that is that is something that I have talked people have tried talking to me about for the past week is that all these free agent signings, there's no room for anyone else. And even if a prospect outperforms someone already on the roster, there's no way that they're going to be able to make room to put them into, which I call BS. So does that make Robbie Fabry your fourth line center or Mike or Rasmussen? Uh, I play Raz at wing still. Raz is probably be on the third line. I you think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm comfortable playing Fabry at 4C. I'm not comfortable playing him center any higher than the fourth line. No. But I'd be comfortable with him at 4C on the, on the fourth line. Or, yeah. Center but the at line. the same time, though, I mean, you see more often than not, a fourth line is out there to shut down a second or, or even sometimes a top line defensively because you've got defensive, strong forward, strong defensive forwards on that fourth line. Yeah, but so, you got to figure if if a Daniel Sprong's on that fourth line, mm-hmm. if a Clem Costin's on a fourth line, though, I think he might Christian play Fisher. higher or a Christian Fisher or even a Carter Mazer. Carter Mazer can be a shutdown guy. I'm more referring to who's going to win the draw. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at Fabry's draw numbers, but I mean, I, it can't be much worse, right? Ideally, let's see. Pulling it up now. Robbie Fabry barely has touched center in Detroit. What about career-wise? Not much. Like it's few and far. Like he had, he was ten of sixteen last year, fifty-four of fifty-five the year before that, eighty-three of one of seven the year before that. So he 107 can take draws face-offs. in 20, 2021 was the most center time he has seen ever. Which was I mean, it was probably draws. higher than four C. Not even. So, well, all right. In that case, let's look at Joe Valeno. See what his center numbers are. Last season, 42%, 277 out of 374 losses. So Fabry's before- better at the draw. 42% versus 38. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, Steve? I mean, it depends on the year you look at for Fabry, but if you've got a guy going to center, the odds are it's going to be Joe Valeno. So Fabry, I mean, I doubt that he is playing center at that point. So I think you're, you're pretty much falling on Rasmussen or you're rotating some of your other guys at center on particular defensive zone face-off. So maybe you have Larkin coming in for that. I'm this is not what's gonna happen. I'm saying this is what you could see happening. Because some teams do do this. So they bring in their top center, try to win that draw, get them off the ice. We see it all the time. That could be sure. what maybe Detroit does in the absence of a Valeno. I just don't think that you're going to force Joe Valeno onto the lineup just because he's a center. If if someone outplays him, like I said, if a Carter Mazer outplays him, 
Carter Mazur is going to get that roster spot and you're going to figure it out because you're not going to keep a guy who underperforms just because of positional play, because there is a guy like in Fabry who can play center. So that's, I I think that's the rub right there is that Joe Valeno is on a contract right now. That's very easy to move. If you look at the projection that, um, that evolving hockey had for him, Joe Valeno was projected to get a two year contract at $1.42 million. Mm Mm-hmm. If he was going to sign it one year, it would have been over 900000 and he came in under. So this contract, like you said, to me screams, hey, you better hurry up. Like, yeah. you're about to get passed by guys. And that's going to be the the hard part is, is you're going to get passed and you're going to get traded. You're going to go to Grand Rapids. So this is a, I feel like it's a huge prove-it contract for Joe Valeno. Yeah, it's, and uh, I really do think he's, do or die when it comes to center because Sprong's not going to center. I'm look, I'm going through some of the guys we brought in. Fisher, I think Fisher was sparingly at center as well. Yeah, he's he can do it. He can be on the draw, but more or less it's because someone got tossed out. So it's not going to be Fisher, not going to be Sprong. Yeah, JT Comfer, who took 1,600 faceoffs alone last season at center at a 48% pace. And then you look at Detroit's remaining. Larkin had 14, 1,300. Cop had 1,200, and then Joe Valeno was your number three center taker in Detroit. And Raz probably would have been past him had he not gotten hurt. I think they're okay at the center spot. Don't get me wrong, but I doubt it's going to be Fabry unless they really have a change or shift in what they're trying to do for him. Because if you throw him in the center spot with those knee injuries and his history, I feel like that's going to put more strain on him that needs to be there. Do you think so? Even though center, he's going to be less likely to go to the the boards. Yeah, I mean, the I, I guess the way I look at it is the reliance of having to really. I mean, we see how he is on the penalty. You goal. mean the shift and pivot? Yeah, just the okay. working through the middle. He's. I mean, we already know that he's going to be out there trying to block shots. We've seen that before. So I, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm, I'm being overly cautious of what could happen with Fabry at this point because one more injury and he's done, in my opinion. We'll have to get the, the the doctors back on to talk about what impact that could have. Yeah, but I, so I think it also shifts to one more mid season in Joe Valeno's done because I don't think like this is he's put himself into a replaceable situation. Yeah, which is a bad spot to be in. Not and, and that's not to take away from where he's at. I mean, we love Joe, but now you really got... struggled to say that. No, you really trying, struggled to say we love Joe. trying to articulate <laughs> how I wanted to say it, Greg. There's a difference. <laughs> we love you, Joe. <laughs> Please do mojo. good. We, we got to have the Mojo show. Come on. Yeah, there's not really anything else that rhymes with Mo that you could put on with Mo to form a different show. So I guess we got to keep Joe. Uh, so Wow. You <laughs> well, well done. Well done on the rhyme time there. Let's turn yeah. to an episode of Sesame Street. Brought so... to you by PBS. So before I continue down that rabbit hole, we're going to move on to Philip Zadina because we said <laughs> we're going to break a promise. We said, I believe we said in the last episode that we talked about Philip Zadina that we would never talk about him again on this podcast. And we're going to break that promise because Bob Duff over at Detroit Hockey Now wrote an article entitled Zadina Believes Red Wings brought him into the NHL before his time. And I picked out some quotes so he did this article, or he did this interview over in, uh, was it the Czech Republic? It, it was he the did Czech. It? When I did the Google Translate, I, I translated the entire article, which was actually wasn't that bad. But 
but it says it's a hockeysferig.se, which would be a Swedish article. Yeah, that threw me off. Uh, yeah, so he told writer Uffe Bowden that it is tough for a young rookie to come to a team under rebuilding like Detroit was, which, okay, I guess, but most high-end rookies go to bad teams because that's where they're drafted. Uh, he also says such a team does not have a strong uh, core as other clubs have. He was happy and lucky that he got a chance to be in the NHL so early, which he probably wouldn't have gotten with other clubs. But that being the case, Zadina would soon be discovering that he was in over his head. He said he tried his best that time. But if you're not Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, it is difficult to make a difference. To which I call bullshit. Absolutely. Because there are plenty of young players that score more than three goals and are not named Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews. So I think that's a little bit of him, him trying to in Justify. his head say oh god i'm not as good as mcdavid or matthew so there's no way i could make a difference on this team but that doesn't make sense because the team is bad so you're getting more of a chance to prove yourself yeah I, to me it says more about like we were talking about it in the in the discord today like uh there's been a lot of comments since i posted it but i mean you had a, a guy a kid at the time nhl central scouting midterm second among north american skaters ISS, which I'm not sure what that is. I didn't click the link, was third. McKean's Hockey, one of the top prospect rating pro- like for hockey out there. Had him Who's second. been really close more yeah. often than not. Had him as the number two ranked player in the draft for that year. He fell to sixth. We were like, oh my God, we've talked about this before. We were all super excited. But I mean, it's just this article. I don't want to say it was a bash on Detroit. They were in a terrible situation or coming into a terrible situation. He was showing that in Grand Rapids, he could handle it. He was scoring. What was he at? He, he was below a point per game, which I guess at that point for a sixth overall pick, you would hope maybe that'd be a little bit higher. But it is what it is. He was playing well against men, against arguably the second best league in the world for hockey. But when it got came to Detroit, like what bothers me, though, is that he said he was brought in too quick. He played nine games. He was given a trial run, had a couple points, looked comfortable for the most part, at least to us. So to me, that comment is just like, how? If it would have been like a Rasmussen situation, I might buy that. Yeah, they rushed it. They didn't really have a choice with Raz. I mean, they could have just sent him back to juniors, but would that have helped him? And it did, it wouldn't have. So they dealt with it, played him throughout that first year, then shipped him off to Grand Rapids. Now look where he's at. He's arguably, in the, maybe not what most people would like to see, but he's excelling and doing what he needs to do to help the team succeed, especially when he's on the ice. Zadina never had that piece click. And that's the frustration to see those comments. Yeah. And he I mean, like you said, he's going to get a chance with San Jose. But again, he's putting himself in the same situation. He's going to a team that's not good. That's not going to have a lot of support. Yeah, it's not going to have a lot of support for him to go in and just explode offensively. He says he still believes like he's gotten better. He's gotten faster. He's gotten stronger. But even saying all that stuff like it, it hasn't translated to anything. And I think that's the the biggest problem is that there's the translation isn't there. 
And when the translation's not there, then you, it still results in a, a large goose egg on the score sheet where where nothing there's no result. I mean, he ends the article by saying it's been five years since I was drafted and I'm still the same person as a player. I'm bigger and faster and better. I still believe in myself. And it's just about being injury free and feeling the joy of the sport again. In the end, it doesn't matter where I am as long as I get to play hockey and have fun. And it's just that's all great. But you can't you can't throw a pity party saying you were brought in the league too early or that the team wasn't good enough, because when you're a top pick or top 10 pick, you're not going to a good team. That's just the nature of the NHL. Unless you got lucky. Yeah, unless you're the New York Rangers. So that's I don't feel bad for him. I shouldn't feel bad. He's playing in the NHL. He's still getting paid money to go play in California now. I just don't think that this this interview was necessary. I guess I don't think there was, it was necessary to say. It was hey, just a hope. Is he back over there right now? Would that probably be where it would have came from? So he's probably in a training thing. Like, hey, let's have a, let's have a talk. Maybe. I mean, that could be it. But I mean, it's I don't. Your speculation on our part, but yes, I would agree with you overall. I don't feel like like he needed to go out and say like, oh, I was brought into it could be you. You can put the onus on yourself. I, that doesn't do you any favors to be like. Cool. No, it doesn't endear you to anyone. No, like we know everyone knew what Detroit was at at that point when he was brought in. The reason that he was drafted in that spot was to change that dynamic of the core that he said wasn't strong. But it never happened. Like, I get it. There's a lot of pressure put on 18, 19 year old kids. But that is the nature of the beast when it comes to the NHL. Especially when you're a top 10 pick. Now, Raz, I think, has had equal pressure because he was ninth overall. But again, you look at what each one has done the last several years. One has heavily improved. The other has not. I get it. And both have had injuries. So this will be the last time officially that we talk about Philip Zadina on this podcast, unless he's traded back to Detroit. And I don't see that happening. How would you say that? Um, so so what we're going to do is we're going to go the second part of the episode. We're going to go through some listener questions. Uh, I put out a call for questions like really late today and actually got quite a few. First, we are going to do a read from DraftKings. This is going to be a live read because we got a new script and I haven't been able to pre-record anything. So I'm going to go through this right now. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that is a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y or 67369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. 
Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to my Spotify playlists on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Right now, I'm just listening to podcasts on my walks downtown when I get lunch at work, and it's just really helping me keep my composure to get to that giant list of emails. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit and start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you can't really lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Grindline podcast listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com THPN. That's buyraycon.com THPN to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com THPN. And all of that, Ryan. Holy shit. All of shit. that. It's a lot of stuff, I dude. really There's appreciate a- the fact that it's pre-recorded. Yeah, it's the disclaimers, man. Oh. The disclaim, the the it, like full page of betting disclaimers is what really gets me. But we're gonna move on to the last half of the show where we got some listener questions. So initially, we we're gonna talk about prospect tournament, but I think we'll save that for next week when we are a week closer to prospect tournament. Then we can talk about it. But I want to start with questions. So we're gonna start it off with our friend Lars. So Lars Thorsel at Lars Thorsel on Twitter says. Which Swedish Red Wings prospect playing in the SHL or Hockey Elsvenskan are you looking forward to following the most this season and why? And Ryan, I'm going to let you take it first and then I will give my answer. Whew. Uh, I mean, I feel like for how much I swoon over him, it's got to be Pelika, Pelika, Axel, Axel Rose, Brian Rafalski 2.0. The Axe Man. Are we just gonna yeah. start make up names off the fly for him? Hell yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a full on nickname in the next month. You can call it recency bias. I don't really care, but watching him with the puck over the last year, especially in leading into the draft, has me really excited for what he likely will bring to the Red Wings blue line. So I'm taking the easy way easy way out and going with the Asp. Yeah, Snake. That's another good name for him. <laughs> I think that's the one that I, I came up Snake with a, a few weeks ago. So he's a good bet. I, I think because he's so dynamic. And like you said, the, the Brian Rafalski comparison, even though it's like super early in his career, it's seeing what the future of the blue line is going to look like. I mean, I'm size go, wise, do you would you argue that he's. This is a stretch. I mean, do you make any similarities to a Carlson? Outside oh, or is he, it, I mean, pl- that's, he I said plays it's a stretch. defense, though. I know Carlson doesn't play defense. I'm talking about the offensive upside. Um, like last year, Carlson or previous because last year Carlson previous. I think was a complete last anomaly. year. Carlson is insanity and doesn't make sense things ever I've ever seen. So maybe, maybe I think there is a definite offensive upside to Pelica, um, but the defense is also there. So that's the thing is like, if you can get a Carlson level offense with the defense that he also provides, 
he's a better player at the end of the day. Yeah. So uh, my answer is going to be Noah Dower Nilsson. And it's only because when we talked to Tony, he had told us that a lot of Noah Dower Nilsson's impact from what he had watched was him just being there. Like a lot of right place at the right time, a puck hits him in the ass and it goes in the net. If you look stuff up puck, like that. Puck in the dictionary, he's probably right. That's his picture that's on there. Yeah, I want to see if his game evolves into more purposeful moves. I guess is is the way I would put it into more detailed and thought oriented play mm-hmm. instead of just right place, right time. Because I think if he can, in hockey IQ, they say is something you're born with, not really something you develop. But if he can become a better, I guess, not just setup guy, but get a little bit better vision and make a lot things look a lot more purposeful in what he's doing and still keep up that level of offense, I think you've got a really solid player there. So he knows what he needs to work on. He seems like a super humble dude uh, and, and really understands the process and what's going to happen going forward. So I would say Noah Dower Nilsson because it's an offensive threat I think that's not talked about a lot in a system that is starving for offensive talent. Now you're starting to see a little more with Amadeus Lombardi and Carter Mazur and, and Cross Hannes, but you need to keep filling that pipeline just in case guys like that don't hit at the NHL level. So I would say Noah yeah. Dower Nelson. That's fair. M- more recency bias, I guess one could argue, but at the same time, like I guess that's what you hope for based on what's out there, right? Yep, Absolutely. Uh, next question is from Jennifer Morris at Jennifer nine, nine, six, nine, seven, nine, five, two. She couldn't do you couldn't add the R and then the numbers. I don't know. Uh, what are some combinations that could be effective in overtime oh. and which one of those combinations should be first on the ice for OT? So all first combinations must include Dylan Larkin. Because it's Dylan Larkin overtime. Give me Larkin, Debrinkit, Gossespair. Okay. I could do Larkin, Debrinkit, Gossespair. I was going to say Larkin, Debrinkit, Cider. Fair. It was going to be mine because, because Cider is more defensive. Maybe some defensive minded forward. I would say my second overtime pairing would probably be, let's say, Lucas Raymond, uh, David Perron, and Ghost. Now Perron I think, is going to be a little second, slow. I think Perron's going to be stuck to the wing. I think your your secondary line would be a Comfort Raymond and then insert defenseman. Okay. Or cop. I mean that that I'm not sure I would put cop in in there. I want some. Now my problem, now, well, my only problem on. with That's, Perron was fully speed. healthy cop. Okay, so fully healthy cop. I could do I could do cop Raymond and Ghost. I would like as that. the second OT units or or Bergie? no sprung Ooh. raymond ghost out there who's taking draws that don't, i mean it's it's overtime just let someone take a draw dude yeah but Fuck you, it, see, how, you see how draw. impactful having the face-off win is i do but do you do you sacrifice the offensive firepower just for the face-off? I mean, and how many play how many face-offs do you see in overtime, Ryan? Well, I mean, think about a couple years ago, and we still had Luke Lundetting. He would take on in overtime. He would take the defensive zone draw, and then bolt off the ice after he wins. Do that. You can I'm do saying that. like the pair that's going to be or the the line that's going to be out there. I might want to see a sprung Raymond Ghost. Ooh. 
So that I mean, fun. there's there are. I would say uh, you know what I, I think would be a fun line: a Berggren, Wallman, and Peron. If we're not if we're now getting into the depths a little see, bit. You know what what makes us awesome is we can just throw lines out there and they they sound great. But I think to answer Jennifer's question, the first one you throw out's got to be Debrinket, Larkin and Cider. That would be my first 3 because it, oh, that's the fire that's power. Fun. It's fun. That's a fun line. It's a, it's a good question. Too. I mean really so thank what you, you could do if you want to if you're not looking for if Ghost isn't out there, you could even do a cop Berggren and Raymond or Comfer Berggren Raymond because you've got a defensive minded guy out there with two forward guys if you're really not trying but I don't think you abandon. And you don't have to really worry about size and overtime. No. You've got you need well unless you're trying to go for puck retrievals but that's few and far between it more often I mean when you watch it the 3 on 3. And so Lalone has said that Raymond put on 8 to eight. 9 pounds this off season. And doesn't even look like the same player, he said. Which I noticed, and then everyone tried to tell me I was wrong. I don't think anyone told told you you were wrong, did they? No, yeah. I, there are people like, I don't see any difference in Raymond. I'm like, did you watch the video of him and Mo at Lions like practice where he literally I didn't look that closely? It wasn't so a hockey much commercial, so I didn't really take too much interest in it. Beautiful. Thank you, Ryan. We're going to move welcome. on to Lucas's question. Uh, <laughs> Lucas Mountain at Lucas Mo on Twitter. There's a lot of S's in his uh, username. It says probably a bit early to be talking trade deadline pieces, but which player on an expiring contract is most Ooh. likely to be on the trade block come 2024? I can see Iserman trading Perron at the deadline, regardless of standings. I don't see Iserman buying until they are cup contenders. So I had pulled up the here we go. So cap friendly and you can all see it on your beautiful screen right here. Your options are David Perron, mm-hmm. Daniel Sprong, Christian Fisher, and then you have three RFAs. So you've got Joe Valeno, Lucas Raymond, and Berggren. Wouldn't even worry about that. Um, you've got, is it Oli Mata as well? You've got, uh, no, not Oli Mata. You've got Shane Gostaspare, who's a UFA. And you've got Mo Sider and Jared McIsaac, who are RFAs. James Reimer is a UFA in 2024, 25. Perron? And maybe Sprong, depending on his season. I'm yeah. not sure there's going to be a lot of A, reason, or B, interest in Christian Fisher. Fisher would be like a, a sunny, a sure. sun situation for like a where he's doing a little bit of everything, but nothing that really truly stands out. But he can be a, a good depth guy for a, a cap-strapped playoff team. Yeah, I could see that. I think Perron is probably your main your main guy right there. He's 35 years old. If you're having a down year and you don't you don't think you're making a playoff. If we have another down year and you don't think you're making a playoff push. Yeah. He's a guy that you're going to look for. I wouldn't for even go as contender. far as saying not making a playoff push. Really? I think you've got flexibility regardless. Because, because you can bring guys in. There we Bingo. go. Bingo. And I... Props to Pete for for hounding me on this one because he sees the wings being sellers, but it's not for a lack of trying or not being in a playoff push or being in a, a spot to contend. It's a deal comes through like a Perron where you have a, a great offer, so you do it. However, that now opens the door. You've got a Carter Mazur and or a Marco Casper. 
Come on down. Yeah. Because I tell you right now, if you trade either some forwards or some defensemen, you potentially upgrade. Yeah, I think to the second part of the point, I also don't see Eiserman being a buyer uh, for a couple of years. But I, I think the selling, like the selling to sell because we suck, I think is done. I don't think there's going to be any just massive sell-offs. You, you might, like you're right, you might see a couple guys on expiring contracts go. You might see Eiserman try, like the Red Wings absolutely could push for a playoff spot. And at that point, you may see Eiserman try and ship out a pick with Ben Sherratt just to open up a defensive slot to make the team better. Because if if Edmondson's killing it in Grand Rapids and you're stuck with Ben Sherratt, yeah, and you're stuck with Sherratt Johansson, you're going to need to try to get rid of that contract to make it to the playoffs, to, to know you're going to be good or at least decent in the playoffs. You're going to have to make a move there. So I think they'll they'll sell some, but not for lack of effort, just for flexibility in the roster and possible possibility of making the roster better from within. Yeah, I think is is where we're looking there. So tell you right now, you trade a forward, you've got a Casper, Mazer, Soderblom, maybe a Hannes. Like there there are options that are going to be in Grand Rapids, depending maybe late in the season a Lombardi. Yep. Or even, who knows, maybe Alexander Doucette comes in. Alex Doucette, the guy everyone keeps forgetting about. Yep, that maybe he comes in and actually is impactful in Grand Rapids, and that earns him an early call-up, or even a a deadline call-up. Like, we don't know. The options are there, and I'm not even going to touch the defense because we have basically destroyed them at this point in terms of what potential is there. So from Sean Hunt at SJH underscore Cerebral, Said, I know you did your rankings already. We did. Go back and listen to that episode. It was really good. But the Athletics Prospect Rankings had Cider at 12 as an all-star, Raymond at 26 as the top of the lineup, Danielson at 32, top of the lineup, Edvinson at 40, top of the lineup, Casper at 65, bubble top to middle, Pelica at 93, middle. He says, which one of these surprises you the most? For me, it was Casper. I have a hard time seeing him anything below a high 2C, even on a championship team. I would say that the Casper one surprises me, but honestly, so there's a couple surprises. Casper one surprises me because of the middle ranking, but I mean, Was it's this a the loose Athletics middle. 23 and under rankings? Uh, I didn't see this one. That's why I was curious. It, he didn't send a link, but that would be my guess. Um, Pelica is the one that I think surprises me. I think the tools are there. And the talent is there where he could be a a top to middle defenseman. I think he's one that's going to surprise a lot of people with with how he plays. And simply because when you listen to his interviews, it's the dedication that's there. So that I think is the one. And then I think the other one that might surprise me is a Danielson. But only because... I haven't seen, I think, enough of him at a higher level. Because he's say, ahead of Ed? Well, because he's ahead of, even he's ahead of Casper. And Casper. So that, I think, is the surprise to me, is that he's ahead of Casper, where I need to see a little bit more of Danielson. Because to rank Danielson at 32 and to rank Casper at 65, I think that's a huge gap. And I don't think that's a gap that can really be backed up right now with with the amount of play you have on each guy. So this is indeed from, this is Prodman, I'm assuming. 
Yeah, Corey Promen posted this two days ago, ranking the the best NHL players and prospects under the age of 23. So the fact that it is NHL players and you've got Danielson at 32, pretty good. Now I'm interested in who the 11 above cider are. Uh, I can look here in a second. It's nice. They actually added filters now, so you can go by team. Um, But, I mean, he's got a general comment for the profile on Danielson, so I don't really know. I mean, the two-way game, and we saw glimpses of it at the prospect camp. Like, he... As much as you could see. Like, there's, there's speed, defensive smarts, and he's got a hell of a wrister. Things that we did to already kind of talk about, so... If that's the case and you've got a debate over who your two C is going to be, potentially one C between him and Casper. Okay. Sold. Let's go. And Danielson will be at the prospect tournament. So that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on too. Here's your top 11. I'm going to start from bottom up. So ahead of cider, Cole Caulfield's at 11. Leo Carlson. Dot. Is 10. Cole Caulfield is above cider. Mm Mm-hmm. Continue. Luke Hughes is ninth. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Trevor Zegers is eight. No way. Maddie Beneers is seven. I can I can't. Okay. I can agree with that one. Dylan Cousins is six. Come on. Matvey Mitchkoff is five. Fantilli okay. is four. Stutzla okay. three. Jack Hughes two, and then Connor Bedard is one. Great. I could disagree with at, at least, least half of three. Uh, well, three or four at least. Are there? Okay. That's fine. Whatever. I get, I'm I get surprised them, now with the whole list. There know. you go. There you go, Sean. I'm surprised with the whole list now, apparently. Uh, we're going to move on to Adam Kerr at Adam Kerr 05. Do you think that Dreisaitl in 2025 or Nylander in 2024 are realistic free agent signings for Detroit? I think Dreisaitl could put the wings over the top and make us ready to contend in two years from now. Also, the German connection with Mo. So I also pulled numbers Ooh. here. So if you look at Leon Dreisaitl in 2022-23, <laughs> he had 80 games played, 52 goals, and 76 assists for 128 points. In his career, he has 638 games played with 306 goals and 438 assists for 744 points. His projected war on Fresh is 100% with an EV offensive 98 uh, but a low defense at 7%. So he's not Mildly a defensive low, yeah. player at all. Uh, not a defensive <laughs> center by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, no, William you've got Nylander, a guy that can snipe from the the, the goal line off yeah, in the from corner. The, from the blue line. I don't line. really yeah. care if he can play defense or not. Yeah, we're, we're fine there. Uh, William Nylander last season in 82 games played, had 40 goals and 47 assists for 87 points. In his career, had 521 games played, 177 goals and 253 assists for 430 points. He has a projected war of 87% with an EV offense of 97 and an EV defense of 15. He's better defensively than Dreisaitl, but that does not matter. What I'm looking at are contracts, because mm-hmm. you're saying these are free agents we're going to sign. And William Nylander's projected, now this is if they were free agents this season, right now, would have signed a seven-year contract at a AAV of 9.63 million. Leon Dreisaitl, seven years at a predicted cap hit of 13.69 million. <laughs> so what this tells me is that there is no way 
when Leon Dreisaitl's contract is up that he's signing with Edmonton. That no. would put Edmonton in because McDavid is is there and taking Ad- up a lot of tax space. There is no way that they are going to have they'll, they'll have the money to do it probably, but they're not going to have the, the it would not be smart spending at that point to to take that contract on. Let's look at it this way: he expires in the twenty four twenty five season. Dry settle. McDavid expires a year after that. So it's like a which one do you want to lose situation? Pretty much. Like, uh, do you want to go through the Gretzky 2.0 situ- scenario? And, 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 but in this situation, you haven't won four cups? Yeah, you've won absolutely nothing. I mean, who knows what could happen over the next three seasons in the remainder of McDavid's contract, but I'm not holding my breath. So I will tell you that in now his last year is 2024-25, right? Or he expires in, no, Leon expires in 2024-25. That's, well, no, he pl- he'll he be there through the end of the 2025 year. Okay, so he is a free Summer agent in 25-26. Correct. So if you look at the Detroit Red Wings in 2025-26. A lot of money. <laughs> they have four forwards under contract in Dylan Larkin, Alex Dabrinkit, Andrew Kopp, and JT Comfer. They have three defensemen under contract in Ben Sherratt, God help us all, Justin Hole, and Jake Wallman. And they have no goalies. They are paying the last year of Justin Abdelkader's buyout. And they've got guys on entry-level contracts in Nate Danielson, Marco Casper, Carter Mazur, Alex Doucette, Amadeus Lombardi, William Wallander, and Simon Edmondson, as well as Sebastian Cosa, all of them on the last year of their ELC. So there will be some money to spend there. Not a lot, though, I don't think. Yeah. The Red Wings are going to have a metric shitload of cap space to where they should be able to do anything they want. They've got picks to trade. Iserman, like we have said for a while, has set them up on a rolling cap so that contracts fall off as new contracts come on, which leaves them open to bringing in big money contracts when they're ready. And if the Red Wings make the playoffs this season, and even if they don't, they make the playoffs next season, they're starting to push. And when they're starting to push, they're going to have money free to make big free agent acquisitions like a Nylander, mm-hmm. like a Dreisaitl. And it should be a destination players want to go to because of the youth coming up, one of the best prospect pools in all of hockey, because of the management team, because of the players on the roster, guys like Mo, guys like Raymond, guys like Larkin, that I think you're right. It makes us a contender. Leon Dreisaitl makes us a contender almost instantly. I would oh, say yeah. like that's a piece instantly makes you a contender. doesn't even matter. Now you're talking about a situation uh, now to calm people down. This is hypothetical in a dream that you would have dry Larkin to cop and comfort under contract. You're going to, you have to make the safe assumption that Lucas Raymond's under a new contract by that point. So there's your now top portion um, under main big contracts. Then you're going to have likely a Danielson coming knocking on the door or making the roster. You're going to have a Casper making the roster. You're going to have a Mazer making the roster. Lombardi. That's what, did I just, yeah, possibly a Lombardi. 
Is that about nine more? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Close. You've built out a roster, not including any other potential free agents that you could bring in. Is this a pipe dream? Sure. Don't care. It's fun to think about, though. I mean, it's not not realistic. Like, it's no, there's nothing there. The only thing that is is hinges on realism is bringing in a dry sidle. That's it. Yeah. Totally. Everything else is is almost at this point, I would say, a, as close to a lock as you're going to get. As you would think in three years, in three seasons that a Lombardi would be ready. In three yeah. seasons that a Danielson would be ready. Marco Casper could be ready as as quickly as this season. Yeah. So and, but that's gonna be the type of thing that I think Detroit's gonna need to push them over a hump. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Nylander could do it too, but to a lesser extent. Yeah. Um, I think Nylander, you're still playing behind a Dylan Larkin as a 2C, which would shift Cop down, which would shift Comfer down. But it's... I mean, even still, you can do what Toronto is doing now, and you could just stack your top line, which I have no issue with as well. Yeah, but I think Dreisaitl would be my play absolutely 100% to say, hey, Kenny, we're going to get this iron in the fire here uh, really, really early in... Whenever it comes up, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and, and take a shot at getting dry sidle. And I think that would be the I'd safest be play there. That'd be so great. From Red Rogue at Red Rogue 71, who do you think will wear the A's this year? And how many road and home rotated does Mo have an op- uh does Mo have an opportunity to wear an A? Mo, Separate I think question. absolutely does. Bar question. Yeah. So and the Mo thing, absolutely. He's uh did he wear an A in preseason last year? Mm, I'd have to check. I want to say yes. Yeah, I think Mo absolutely has has an opportunity to wear an A, whether it be permanent or rotating. I think you're going to give Andrew Kopp an A. I think Kopp and Perron are your locks for an A. Perron gets an A. If you're looking at rotating A's, um, Michael Rasmussen could absolutely get a rotating A. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Every guy in camp wants to play with Michael Rasmussen. Rask could get a rotating A. Ben Sherratt got a rotating A last yep. year, I believe. So that's another one there. It's 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 hard with this roster now because of the guys they've brought in. Because Ghost could do it. Hull could yep. do it. We've seen, I think Mata, I don't remember if he had any one on it at one point last year, but Jeff Petrie could wear an A. Oh, absolutely. The Brinkett can wear an A. Kopp, he has. Comfer. I think I think Perron's your lock as a, like your, a permanent A. That's the thing with Iserman. Iserman brings in all these guys with leadership experience and who have worn letters before and who have been there. So, like, you could literally see, like, oh, guys, we're going to have, like, 12 A's this season that are all going right. to rotate. So every three, you get it for three games and you get it for three games. And Yeah, I, it'll probably be a crazy mix because I know we saw several guys get it in preseason in particular last year. I, w- I would like to say that Mo and Perron are your locks, but I don't want to... I think Perron for sure has an A on all season. Yeah, that that's probably that. the safe. That's the safest bet is giving Perron a permanent A next season. Um, but like like we said, it's like it's a lot of guys that that came in with the leadership experience. Like Debrinket wore an A in Ottawa. He's probably going to get a rotating A in Detroit. I mean, you think so? It, it, yeah, I think so. I think he's been around long enough and has done it before. I think he also wore an A in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, I don't know. So I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, I think that you, you'll probably see several guys. Uh, from GameGab at GameGab Detroit, 
Season predictions for the wing this year. Playoffs. A lot of doubters out there, but we got to let the playing do the talking. Agree. And I think I've already, I'm already on team playoffs this season. That's my team. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to ask you every episode until the regular season starts. I, uh, I want to say yes, but I struggle to say that it's definitive. So Ryan I, says no. I, I'm still partly on team no. And I will totally eat fucking crow for that one if it comes down to it. But I just think that our division is too damn hard. Ryan, if you are saying no and we do make it, you have to do a shoey on Cam. Why? Because. And if we if I'm it's saying we are going to make then it then because I'm not doing it in my office. I'm saying we are going to make it and I will do a shoey if we don't. So there's the deal right there. Hate you. All right. Thank you. Uh, last question of the night from Chris at Fopec Jack on oh, Twitter. God. Extended Iserman. Now this. Oh, what is going on here? So this is a confusing thing. General manager contracts are like a goddamn anomaly. It's like trying to find the lost city of Atlantis. No one knows where they are unless they're announced on Twitter no one tracks all the general manager contracts. You I need to searched the internet. I messaged Daniela. Daniela says I have no idea. I can't find it. I I don't have time right now to reach out to Bob Duff. But the one thing I could find was in an article when someone asked Iserman about when he first got here and they asked him about the rebuild. His comment was something to the effect of, I guess we'll see where we are in five years, which made people think he has a five-year contract, which this would be the last year of his contract at that point. So if, in fact, this is the last year of Steve Eiserman's contract, and you ask, are we extending Steve Eiserman? My answer is a resounding yes. Yeah. Give him another five-year contract. I would put, and this is all because I would say I would put the Red Wings rebuild just in some total of the rebuild on track, if not ahead of schedule. And and I might have said just on track before the acquisition of Alex Dabrinkit, mm-hmm. but getting Dabrinkit here, I would say we are probably a little bit ahead of schedule on the rebuild. And that's also a lot dependent on what, young guys come in this what rookies come in this season and what they do yeah i i don't think there's any question that if this is the last year of eiserman's contract it doesn't get extended if if you don't i think you're absolutely you mean it ridiculous. does get extended but how did i say that you yes. said it doesn't get extended sorry i meant to say like it you, yeah anyways yes he absolutely gets an extension if it's not for five more years i'd be very surprised, which apparently we just will never know because it just goes into the to the ether and we find it's out. just like you're a GM, but it's like for how long and we want to know. And now every time that happens, I'm going to ask. Yeah. So I, I it's stupid not to. And the people that are pissed off that he's not making the playoffs just don't. I'm not going to go on that tangent right now. I don't feel like it. Um, Yeah. No. If the question was, does he get extended? Yes. If he's due, there's no question about it. And. To think otherwise, I question your sanity. Yeah, it's I think that if if the Red Wings don't make a serious push for playoffs this year, like if you're coming into like the break 
and they're like 10 points out of playoffs, then some people are going to start really questioning what's like going Christmas on. Christmas break or all-star break? Uh, like Christmas break. Okay. People are going to really start. Christmas break, they were in a good spot. It was yeah. right before, it was right all-star after all-star. break, they were in a good spot. All-star break, decent spot. It was leading into the deadline, a week before the deadline. So if you come to Christmas break and you're like 10 points behind, people are really going to start questioning. Now, would another losing, not losing season, but another non-playoff season put Iserman on the hot seat? I'd say no. I think I'd it say that he's still wh- safe. Where you finish or where you're trending in comparison to last year. I think it also depends on the in-season moves that are made. So do we see rookies come in? Do yeah. we see guys start flailing like a Sherratt again? Or do we see guys start flailing like uh, like a Joe Valeno and then no corresponding moves be made? See, to that point, I'm not worried because we've already seen that he will very quickly make a move. But if they're not, if they're then not, made, again, then yes, 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 fair. Yeah. So I would say that Iserman is safe. I would be, like you said, absolutely shocked if he doesn't get another five-year extension. If this is, in fact, his last year, his contract. Um, I think Iserman is is the kind of guy that they would keep around until he decides to retire. I don't think there's, unless something catastrophic happens and he pitches the team into another giant hole. I mean, it's. It's the dude who brought the team out of the depths of hell back to like glory. And now he's trying to do it from a managerial role. And if he, in fact, does it, there is no reason to switch GMs at all. Let's let's put it this way. So the athletic did their front office confidence rankings. Detroit fell from third to 12th. However, Eiserman, the grade that they've been given is still a B overall. And with the fan base, they're okay. strong B. Public perception, because people are idiots, is a C plus. Okay. I mean, I can't really. I guess the only things you could you could really hang your hat on for. Uh, I'm sorry, wide, B plus on the fan base, C plus in the public. But the only things you really hang your hat on for what may be perceived as a negative is again the Ben Schrock contract, and. Now a bunch of people are going to say Justin Hole, but he hasn't played a single game in a Red Wings jersey. So yeah. that I'm going to hold off on any kind of judgment until I see 20 games of Justin Hole, and then I will let you know what I think. But I mean, I can't really, I can't fault Eiserman for anything that he's done really, because again, he's built up that backlog of trust, and the moves he's made have been good. And people will complain again about Cop. And you need to see what happens with cop this season, because if cop comes out this season and is the same cop as last season, then I might start to question, but he should be a hundred percent healthy and should be a different player. He should be, he should be New York Rangers. Andrew cop is what or he should be. Winnipeg or Rangers. I mean, or Winnipeg if, Jets. If we're questioning cop at this point. It's not going to be because of what Iserman did. It's going to be because no. of what cop wasn't able to recover from. And yep. the fact that he may have not have just, pushed himself to be back to what he used to be. That's yeah, where I would I, take that. But you're, you're stuck with the contract. Um, but I think that is all the questions we have. So I believe that's episode. Uh, you got any uh, final thoughts there, Ryan? Nope. Already ran 33. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I don't have any final <laughs> thoughts either. Uh, unless you want to sell me home opener tickets, because they're absolutely 
insane right now. I am like, waiting for my freaking uh, person to respond or reach out to me. I'm probably just going to email them. So if you are still needing tickets, I will inquire. Yeah, I'm going to still need tickets because I looked at resale market right now. And the section you're in are about $300 a ticket currently. Oh, so yeah, they're pretty nuts right now. Um, but you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. That is me. If you tweet at Grindline Pod, it's at me. I will respond uh, depending on how you tweet at me. So be about one percent of tweets come from me. Anger or sarcasm; those are generally the two tone of the <laughs> tweets that you will get from the official account. Uh, you can uh, follow us also on YouTube. Go to YouTube, subscribe to the Grindline Podcast. Uh, turn on These notifications. Fun visuals that Greg makes. Yeah, I put a lot of work into these episodes now. It's a lot more work, but it's a lot more informative and it looks better and people learn stuff. So, uh, yeah, I just upped upped my game slightly. Uh, We like to give a shout (laughs) out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around all over the place. We also like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you get Detroit jerseys from and worked on. They're absolutely amazing. And we should have some stuff coming up with them. We might do a show like live at their location. That would be pretty sweet during the season. Leading up to the home opener. Yeah, I wonder if I can make it work scheduling wise, but we'll see what happens there. Um, But yeah, check them out. They're awesome. You can order stuff online from them. Like we said, it's like amazing. The the work they do is impeccable. It's as close to like on ice as you're going to get the work they do. So it's fantastic. And it's all hand done, like literally in shop, in store. We've watched them do do it. It's amazing. It's great. Uh, you can go to uh, redbubble.com and search the Grindline to find our merch. We also give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape where you see the promo code Grindline. You get 10% off. The same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you'll get 12% off. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, so for Ryan, I am Greg. Hopefully Tyler in this time got the meat out of his throat. Um, but you stay classy, <laughs> Hockey Town. <laughs>